following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. And this morning, uh, as we look at Exodus chapter 23, uh, it's, it's really um, another reminder of our need for rest and uh, this idea that there is a finish line. There is a finish line. And for most of us who watch high schoolers graduate, we're like, oh, how I wish my finish line was that close, right? Because I already graduated from college and from seminary, and now I'm just living life. And it's like, where's the finish line? Ever feel that way? I felt that way a lot recently. It's like, okay, I'm ready to be done. Can I just graduate from, like, life, right? Um, So Exodus 23 looks at that. And I'm going to just cover this real briefly. not going to go into a lot of detail. But I want to take a a minute and really connect what, uh, what Moses writes here about Israel and kind of jump over what it meant for them and really just connect it with what it means for us as Christians and how... Uh, Jesus really fulfills this, all right? So let's read, I think we have it up here, uh, Exodus 23, verses 10 through 19, uh, about the Sabbath and about festivals. For six years you shall sow your land and gather its yield, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat. And what they leave the beasts of the field, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. Likewise, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. Pay attention to all that I have said to you, and make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. Three times in the year you shall keep a feast of me, You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread, as I have commanded you. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest for the first fruits of your labor of what you sow in the field. You shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, When you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor, three times in a year, you shall uh, you shall shall all your males appear before the Lord your God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with any unleavened bread, or let any fat of my feast remain until morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. My favorite verse in all of Scripture. <laughs> Actually, not. Um, all right, this passage, just to give you a quick, quick sur- summary. Uh, in the Old Testament, oftentimes you see accounts like this coming in sets of three. So like here you have the, uh, the, the first section on Sabbaths. Then there's a middle verse uh, on worshiping God. Then there's a second section on the festivals. And uh, oftentimes when it comes in these triplets, these threes like this, it's a little bit like an Oreo cookie. Uh, the, the, the best part is, is in the middle, right? We won't get into that debate. For some people it's the cookie, some it's right, what you eat first. But um, in these sandwich passages, the, the, 
all, all three parts are, are important, but the, the main point that's most significant is the, is the center. And so what's the center? It's verse 13. Let me read it again. Pay attention to all that I have said to you. Make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. Uh, and as, as it goes through the covenant uh, conditions, it really much of it ties back to the Ten Commands. Uh, and this goes right back to the very first command. You shall have no other gods before you. And here he says you shouldn't even mention their names. And, of course, to, to speak of God's name uh, in, in their day meant to invoke its power, uh, to put some kind of trust, to seek its help. And he says, don't even name it. I don't even, you should be so far away from these gods that you don't even mention their name because you are so solely devoted to trusting and serving and worshiping God alone. So that's what he's talking about here. And he does that by, by really... Um, both what's before and after, he explains how they should be focused on worshiping the true and living God alone. Uh, they are to de- be devoted to him with singleness of heart and mind. Uh, and just a quick note on that. Uh, probably none of us as Christians, as followers, are, are being tempted to bow down to Baal or to go out in your backyard and build a spirit house Right. Uh, probably for none of us, that's like a compelling temptation where you wake up every morning thinking, oh, I just wish I could go. We don't, we're not tempted with that. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's still not an issue for us. And the greater problem, the greater temptation for us is not that we, we would worship a, a, an actual physical idol, but the danger is in creating our own version of God that is not who, is, who he has revealed himself to be in the Bible. Uh, and uh, I've been recently having uh, conversations with high school students with some of their parents and just seeing what a difficult challenge this is for our students. That's why that statistic that, that uh, Lana mentioned, one, only one in four of our high school kids, uh, kind of on a global scale, will be walking with Christ after four years from graduating from high school. Why? Well, it's not that they're all abandoning their faith, but... Uh, this huge pressure for them to invent a God that's close to the God of the Bible, but not really the God of Scripture. Um, and, and the argument goes like this. Well, there's so many different interpretations about who God is. How do we know which one is the true and living God? Right? Christians can't agree. And this has kind of become an excuse to say, so really, it doesn't matter what you believe, because Christians, they can't agree. And so... I can just pick and choose what I want to believe about God. Um, and that is the first step, I believe, into those, those, those three who don't make it. That's the road they start going down that ends with abandoning their faith altogether. Um, how do you know which version is true? Well, first of all, uh, it's the version that, that, that accounts for all of Scripture, Right? If you're adopting a version of God based on 10% of what the Bible says, that's not him. Okay? Uh, the God of the Bible is the God of Genesis to Revelation, and whatever he is, uh, is unpacked in all of those books. Right? So, so, so those versions of God that pick and choose select passages, it's not the real deal. 
Okay, and here's, here's another tip. Okay, here's just another practical way to look at this. Um, how do we know what version of God is true? Well, it is a little bit like dating, right? And here's, here's the thing. If you have met the guy or the girl of your dreams, Mr. Perfect, right, who is everything you dreamed and hoped for, and you look at him and, and he just is the vision of perfection. You look at her, she's the vision of perfection. And you can't, and you just see that there's nothing wrong with this person. Okay, if you found that person, um, here's the problem. It means, it, means, it means a couple of two things. It means that you don't actually know who this person is. Okay, you don't really have a clue who you're dealing with. You're dealing with your imagination, not the real person. And the deal is that once you get to know this real person, I can guarantee they're not going to be as perfect as you thought. Right? Right? We all know how, the, if we, any of us have any experience, we know how this really works, right? Uh, why is that? Well, because uh, our vision of what we want them to be and who they really are are not ever going to be the same. Right? Same thing's true with God. Okay, our vision, if, if we think we found a God that meets our perfect vision of what we want him to be, um, and, and, and he fits our, you know, our description, you don't know him. Okay? He's not the real deal. Because God, uh, if he's who he really is, is the infinite, eternal, transcendent God of all creation who is in many ways incomprehensible, is a God so big he can't be put into boxes and categories. Here's the deal. There's going to be a lot, when you get to know him, there's going to be a lot of things about him you do not like and that rattle your cage. Right? If who God is is not not, uh, unraveling your worldview, it's not the true and living God. Simple, plain and simple. He is not the true and living God. Right? Uh, idols are great because we, we get to make them and control them and they can be whatever we want, but it's not real, right? Uh, and honestly, there's a lot about God I don't understand and some of what I, what I understand I really don't like. <laughs> but uh, if it's any different than that, the knowing I'm a fallen sinful human being who doesn't always see things very well, any God that, that I'm okay with 100%, Probably a good sign he's not the real deal, right? Okay, that's actually kind of a side note. So uh, what I want to talk about, though, are the two things that, that involve worshiping this true and living God, okay, the, the, on either side of our Oreo cookie. First thing, he talks about the importance of, of rest or Sabbath, and he describes it in two ways. One uh, is a Sabbath for the land, where once every seventh year, the land was to be uh, left alone. They weren't to cultivate it. They weren't to plant. They weren't to harvest. Uh, if it was orchards or vineyards, they weren't to prune, uh, cultivate, tend to it in any way, uh, and, and, and not harvest the crop. Um, by, by the way, just a side note, this, uh, this probably was not done nationally all at the same time. Okay, the problem, probably the idea was that it was, uh, you would rotate your fields. You would rotate your crops. Because it would be a, it would just be a national problem for everybody in the whole country to stop producing food all at the same time, right? So it was probably some kind of crop rotation. Uh, it was a more practical explanation. Point is, 
The land needed rest. Okay, and then, of course, there's the, uh, the, the traditional Sabbath once every seven days. Uh, the workers are to have rest, meaning the, the laborers, you yourself, your animals, they're supposed to have rest once every seven days. Um, so what's the point of us? What's the core value here? Well, the core value is simply this. And I should have everybody repeat after me. I am not Superman. Okay, everybody say that. I am not Superman. Okay. Um, we have incredible limits. Uh, and if we don't believe that, God has great ways of showing us how limited we really are, right? You and I cannot do everything. Our bodies cannot, we are not the energizer rabbit, <laughs> okay? Some of you are old enough will know the great commercial about the energizer rabbit keeps going and going and going. That's not you or me. I keep going and going and going, and then I crash and burn, and I'm in the hospital for a week, right? That's how it works. We have limits. We do not have unlimited time, energy, resources, power, strength, or wisdom. And what Sabbath rest is about, uh, first of all, he says this in the Ten Commandments, not here, but uh, Sabbath is first and foremost about dedicating special time to worship God. But here he adds a new element to it, and he says, in addition... You need it because you need to be refreshed and restored. Uh, at the end, he says, he, he says um, you know, so that your maidservant and your, your alien, all these people might be refreshed. The word that's actually used there is the word to breathe. Okay, that you would have a chance to breathe. And in modern English, we would use the phrase to catch your breath. Right? Uh, we all need that. Uh, we need time to refresh and restore and renew ourselves. Praise God, you know, high school comes to a day of graduation. Amen, seniors? Right? And you get a chance to refresh. You don't have to read a textbook. You don't have to write a history paper. Right? Mr. Floss not going to grade your English paper because he's, you know, you're done. You get a chance to refresh, renew, restore. Um, and that's, that's the, the focus here. It's not that they were not to do anything, but they were to stop working so that they could do things that would be refreshing and restoring. Do you know the things that you need to do in your life to re- restore your soul? Right? Uh, one in seven days, and I, I think this is a value that goes far beyond the law of the Old Testament, we need to build into our life times of refreshing and restoring and renewal. Um, and I wish I had time to talk about all the great ways to do that, um, but, but explore that. If it means reading uh, books that feed your soul and your imagination or taking walks in a peaceful place or creating through painting or writing or music, um, if it means sleep, it's my favorite. I love that one, sleep. Great. Uh, God says, be still and know that I am God. Um, I can't tell you how many missionaries I have talked to and counseled with, and I've seen their life is on a path of absolute self-destruction because they are not taking Sabbath rest. And I, I remember just having in this past year, having one of these conversations with a missionary. I said, I told him, if you keep this pace, you are not going to last and you will, you'll be done. 
And he said, but I can't stop because people need me. I said, yeah, great. They may need you, but you're not going to be any help to them when you leave this place because you burned out. And and, uh, he did not change his lifestyle. He did not take rest. He's gone. And he's not helping anybody. Right? Uh, do not ever think you are a superman. Right? You cannot do everything. And God's not asking you to. You need to take rest. So the principle here, uh, another principle, so you need rest. But there's a bigger principle in operation here. And the, the, the Sabbath also pointed to the principle that there is a finish line. Okay, just like our high schoolers graduating, there's a finish line. For our college students, someday there will be a finish line. For the rest of us, you know, we, we graduated. What's our finish line? Anybody waiting for the finish line? Anybody feeling the need for a finish line? I am. Right? I am. Um, one uh, modern version of the finish line is retirement. Right? Uh, we all know that the, the point of working is not to work yourself to death, that we hope we can work to the point where we can stop working and retire. Uh, and that's not a time when we don't do anything. But instead of doing what we have to do to survive, we get to choose and there's a freedom about doing the things we want to. Um, sadly, oftentimes in the West, what that looks like is people, uh, you know, buying these really fancy homes on the golf course and spending their, their days playing golf or shuffleboard or something, I don't know, uh, retiring, living the good life. Um, problem is... Um, that really doesn't work for most of those people. And the reason is you can rearrange your circumstances all you want, but uh, when you move to, to paradise, the, the problem is you move there, <laughs> right? And you take with you all your problems. And those people are there with their same attitudes of, um, of bitterness and unforgiveness and turmoil and agony, and they, they are not at a place of rest. Um, so what this picture is for us is a rest that's beyond just retirement even, right? It's a rest that comes when our heart and soul is made in every way right. So what is our rest? Right? What is the finish line this points to? Anybody? Heaven? Close. Jesus, actually, first. <laughs> okay, Jesus first. Then heaven. We'll see, and we'll see how this works in just a minute. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight says this: Jesus speaking, "Come to me, all who are la- who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Praise God, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to get that rest for our souls. That's why Jesus, Jesus is our rest. And it's a rest that's available to you and I here and now. We don't have to wait till we retire. We don't have to wait till we graduate. Praise God, we don't have to wait till we die. Uh, although that's a, that's a good rest, okay? Um, permanent rest, right? But there's a rest that can come to us now, and it's in Jesus himself. Because he is the one who fixes the real uh, toil and labor and turmoil of our soul. Right? Real rest is something that comes in inwardly. 
uh, when Jesus gives us the true rest of peace and hope and joy and forgiveness and reconciled relationships and purpose and fulfillment. All right. So the rest is ultimately kingdom rest. Right. Jesus said the kingdom of God is near. Uh, if those who receive me can enter into the kingdom now, okay, not just heaven in the future, but the kingdom now. Um, because that's the first thing. There's a finish line. There's, there's kingdom rest. There's, there is for us the promise in Christ of Sabbath. Right? Uh, and we use that Sabbath as a means of worshiping the one true and living God. Okay, second part. Uh, he explains there are three festivals, three feasts that they're to celebrate every year. Um, they are the, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, the Feast of Harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering. Um, essentially, these are dedicated times of worshiping God by celebrating Him corporately together with the whole community. Uh, and this pictures a couple of cool things for us. First, it, 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 it pictures that the highest form of worship, of, of praise, of celebrating God, is not private, but corporate, community. Uh, and we live in our day of individualism where everything's about me. And oftentimes our, 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 our perspective is that my greatest time of worship is me and God alone. And, and those are good things. And I pray and hope that you have times of... of meeting with God personally, intimately, you and God. But, but God loves it when his people come together to celebrate him together. Right? God loves it when we show up all together in this room and together we sing. And in a minute, the worship band's going to come and they're going to lead us and we're going to praise God together. Um, God wants his people to gather. And he says, At three times a year, the whole nation has to show up to worship me. And in their celebration, they're, they're, they're worshiping a couple different things. First, they're, they're celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is Passover. Okay, it's a feast that accompanies and comes with Passover. And what they were to celebrate was God's great work of salvation, of saving them and rescuing them from slavery in Egypt. All right? Uh, we, too, should be celebrating God's great work of salvation. And week after week, we come every Sunday and we celebrate Jesus who saved us, who has given us a new kind of exodus, not from Egypt, but from slavery to sin and death. Um, the second two festivals are harvest festivals. Uh, now, if you, if you come from most countries uh, where, not like Thailand, where things grow all year long, but most of us come from countries that, where there's limited growing seasons. And we kind of picture harvest as being a once-a-year thing. So it's confusing for us when we look at this and they have like a harvest in festival in June and a harvest festival in September or October. How can that be? Well, the first harvest was called a, a, the Feast of Harvest, and it's uh, really technically the Feast of First Fruits, right? Uh, it's also called, later came to be known as, anybody know? Pentecost. Right? When's Pentecost Sunday? Anybody know? June 4th, that's right. Good job. Man, you guys are on top of this. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, uh, 50 days after Passover. Right? And it is a harvest festival. And what happens, they would plant some grains 
uh, in, in actually in the fall, the winter snows water those crops, and, and as soon as March, April starts to get warm, they pop up, and by June they're ready to harvest. And the very first thing they do when they harvest their first crop is they celebrate God's abundant blessing and provision. So they all gather together. They bring the best of their first harvest, and they present it as a sacrifice to God. It's the, the, the festival of first fruits. Then it was another one at the end of the harvest, all the way out in October, November, kind of more like we think of Thanksgiving. After all the harvest is done, all the crops have been brought in, everything's stored up, and, and it's a time of celebrating God's incredible abundant provision. Um, so very much like we have Thanksgiving, praising God for his, his goodness and his provision. Uh, but what's fascinating about these three festivals is they, they really do have a corresponding New Testament uh, picture that they point to. Of course, the first one I talked about, Passover points to what? Jesus, right? It points to Jesus and the salvation that we have in him. And so at Easter, what, what is Easter? when does Easter happen? Passover, right? Jesus was crucified during Passover. Uh, the resurrection comes right at the end of Passover. We celebrate in in, in April, March, April, uh, God's saving work through the cross. Uh, Next next festival is Pentecost. So what happened at Pentecost? Well, it is the festival of what? First fruits. And on Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus rose, what happened? Holy Spirit's poured out on the new church, right? And so Jesus said... Come to me, I will give you rest. The kingdom is near. For those who will receive me can enter into the kingdom. And at Pentecost, God pours out his Holy Spirit as what? The first fruits of kingdom life. It's a great picture that uh, as members of the church, we enter into the kingdom. And in many respects, we live with the benefits of, of kingdom life here and now. We've entered into, to some extent, we have entered into the rest. Now, many of you are feeling like, I'm not feeling real rested here, okay? Well, we have. We enjoy some of the initial blessings of kingdom life, peace with God, our salvation. We've overcome sin. We've been set free from the bondage of sin over our life. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to live out His life with power and truth. Um. There's many respects in which we are living in God's kingdom rest today. But of course, we all recognize that, you know, this is good. I'm still tired, right? I'm still anticipating the finish line. Anybody there? It's like, I'm glad I'm conquering sin on some days when I'm not getting bowled over by it. I'm I'm thankful that some days I'm experiencing God's grace and forgiveness. But honestly, some days I'm not. And I'm very discouraged. I'm thankful that I know the Holy Spirit is living with me and he's changing my life, but I feel on some days like I'm not making any progress. Right? That's because it's the first fruit, not the last. Right? God has begun a kingdom work in us. We have begun to walk in rest. But there's still one more festival. The festival of ingathering. Uh, what corresponds to that? What's happened in our life that resembles the Feast of Ingathering? Well, nothing yet. 
Because the Feast of Ingathering points forward to what? To Jesus' return to fulfill and realize the complete kingdom. Uh, it's called the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Final Harvest. And certainly one day Jesus will return and there will be a great harvest when it, the dead in Christ will rise and be gathered to him. And that's going to be our finish line. Right? That's going to be the day when we get the full benefits of the kingdom. Uh, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like, you know, Pentecost is high school graduation, but we still got four years of college, right? The final end gathering is like graduating from college. We're done, right? It's over. We cross the finish line. So here's four points, four things I want you to take home that we can put into practice or, or think about. Okay, the point of all this is that we need to make it to the finish line. Okay, we need to make it to graduation day. Uh, how do we do that? Well, first off, first thing to remember is God does not need your help. Right? Successful ministry actually does not depend on you or me. I'm not Superman. Right? God does not need your help. He can do it completely without you. Right? He's invited you to come and join him and partner with him. And so here's the thing. If you take off one day, it's not going to be the end of the world, right? You could probably even take off two days, and it's not going to be the end of the world. Praise God, right? Uh, God doesn't need you. He's going to accomplish his ministry. Uh, he's invited you to partner with him. But, but don't, uh, don't think you're so vital to the world that you can't stop and, and take a day off, right? You can do that. Secondly, uh, God doesn't need you, but you need God. You need his restoring, refreshing work in your life every day, actually. And Sabbath is a great, great reminder of that. When I take a day off, it's a great way to remember I need him restoring and refreshing and renewing my life. Third thing. Live in the kingdom now that's available to you. Right? Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls now. It's not the final perfect rest, right? But God's offering for you a lot of life in his kingdom. Uh, and, and oftentimes we're missing out on it because we're not taking hold of what he's made available for us today. Uh, and when you start getting discouraged and worn out and weary, remember, there is a great finish line. Strive for that finish line. When we will enter God's full and perfect rest, uh, his ultimate Sabbath that Jesus is preparing for us. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.